Ready, set, go. Oh, well, I like that. Testing one, two, testing one, two. Testing one, two, oh, testing one, two. That is super clear. All righty, I guess we can go ahead and start. What's up, everybody? Thank you, thank you, thank you for showing up, tuning in, and I guess let's get into it because today, don't forget to hit that like button as you come in. Don't forget to share because notifications are not running as they should, as well as don't forget to hit one of the donation links to keep us going and keep us growing. And I love all you guys. But today, as you see in the description, I actually am doing this video. Again, it's in response to the question from Officer Kelvin Dingle of why? 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 Because he's so tired. Of people not saluting him he's so tired of people not saying hey to him he's so tired all right well i want to give you a couple because i'm going to also get into what is deemed lawful or justifies um justifies a deadly use of force by a police officer. Now, most of you actually remember last couple of weeks, I've actually been talking about the Andrew Brown case that happened in um, Elizabeth City. Elizabeth City. The police officers were actually executing a search warrant for drugs, which Everybody seems to forget that's what the search warrant was for and that nobody is talking about drugs because pretty much there were no drugs found. They also made mention of videos, multiple videos of supposedly or allegedly Andrew Brown Jr. selling drugs to people, which, you know, again, it's another video they didn't show. And they're refusing to, lead, to release more than two hours of video or body cam video, they've seized and redacted the neighborhood video that was on, I believe it's somebody's ring doorbell. They actually got that video and then they edited it so you cannot go beyond when they're first pulling up and they're blocking off the street and they cut the audio so you can't hear when the gunshots start, which are pretty much immediately. And then they promised the family that they can see the video, but only after all the officers in those videos are hidden. And out of the two hours, they were only allowed to see 12 minutes of manipulated video and redacted audio. The DA has since then, DA Womble, has called the shooting justified. Now, and he's also made several mention of today's current policing climate. And if the shootings justify, according to law, according to what I'm getting ready to read you, he wants the police to be seen in a different light. Why not show this justified shooting? He has no problem with going on and calling people liars that have seen the video. He also has no problems with stating everything that the officers did were was 100% lawful. He has no problem stating in that. But what he has a problem with is showing it. Has no problem coming out saying there's other video. Has a problem showing it. And then we go into the inst of if they're supposed to be the good guy, they're supposed to be doing the right thing. We're supposed to trust them because they're in uniform. Why are they hiding everything they do? If you want people to change perception of you, 
why are you fighting against them to show something that you are saying is correct? Because the one thing about it is the simple fact that if it's correct and you want to change the narrative of how people are perceiving it, show it. Because now at this point, it's public. The conversation is public. You actually took someone's personal video and then edited it and then showed that. But why not show the video from those police officers who did the right thing? But I guess we're supposed to just trust you, take the word for it, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, but then we go down to Miami Gardens. 30-year-old Jordy Jans Martel. Now, the thing that I found interesting about this was the simple fact that Jordy was off duty at the time he did this. Oh, stay out the shadow. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> but Jordy actually was off duty. And while he was working, I guess, as a bouncer at this point, he had a confrontation or an altercation with the young lady. In the midst of being with the young lady or trying to, I guess, calm her, whatever the situation was. Because the funny part about it was the fact that if it wasn't for the video that later came out, we wouldn't know what happened because Jordy, the police officer, wrote in a sworn statement a complete fabrication. You know, lamest terms, he told a flat-out lie about what had happened. In the midst of telling this lie, He then put his knee while the young lady was laying on her back right here into her neck while she's pregnant. While his knee was on her neck while she's on her back. He then tases her on her stomach while she's pregnant. Miami-Dade Police Department has come out and said that is against policy. That isn't any means of how you're supposed to do the job properly. And he was charged with battery. Funny part is, but we're supposed to trust him because he wears a uniform. We're supposed to believe the things he's doing because he's wearing a uniform. We're supposed to accept that he's doing the right thing, even though he told a flat out a lie in the events and had the video not surfaced from the club he was working at off duty the lie would have stood go to one of my favorite places not sure if you guys remember but in 2019 i took a trip through phoenix and arizona went to california and while in phoenix i picked up a newspaper i posted the newspaper and the newspaper actually spoke about how Phoenix Police Department, Phoenix Police Department actually was killing a citizen, one, at least one every five days. So they were going without a week, killing someone. Every week, somebody died at the hands of Phoenix Police Department. And the funny thing is that I also showed a video. Well, actually, let me go back. Because I also then was banned off Twitter. I was put in the Twitter jail because that, I believe, I went July 1st. Well, July 4th, there was a Starbucks incident with Phoenix Police Department. Well, there were six police officers. They went to a Starbucks. Multiple young ladies that were in Starbucks, where the police officers were, asked the manager, could you ask these police officers to either go to a different section or have the coffee outside 
or take it to go. One young lady actually offered to pay for it because, again, she's asking them to do something. The manager then go over to ask the police officers, hey, could you change sections a little bit? Because the people around you are nervous about your presence. Well, in the midst of that, the police officers made a choice to leave because they were making the people uncomfortable. And I merely responded to the police commissioner in Phoenix on Twitter. He stated that this was a travesty for asking the officers to leave, which was a lie. They weren't asked to leave. They were asked to move. They made a choice to leave. He then said that people should be comfortable around police. My response was the Phoenix police officers should do things that allow people to be comfortable around. Because if I'm killing somebody one every five days, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to expect people to be comfortable around my trigger happy ass. When I spoke about Phoenix as well, I often spoke about, I think it was 48% or 40, 42% of the officers that were there at that department had been in an officer involved shooting. Of that 42%, 75% of them had been involved in multiple officer-involved shootings. I had pointed out three officers that had been involved in three killings of unarmed or mental health um, people in Phoenix. I also spoke about the police chief in Phoenix. She stated on video, it is the people's fault that the police are shooting them. Not the bad training, but it is the people's fault that the police are shooting them. Right after she says this, there's a video, young lady, well, actually very young, because I think she was like two or three years old. She had stole a Barbie doll from a dollar store. I believe it was Dollar General, so it was probably about a $3 Barbie doll. Right? Parents didn't pay no attention to her. Again, bad parenting, but it is what it is. Four Phoenix police officers jump out on this family for a $3 Barbie doll. They run out with their guns drawn, yelling, I'm going to blow your effing head off. And if you don't remember this or you don't believe me, I have a channel called Supreme Talk. The video is still there. The video if you want to see it because I don't know how to play it on StreamYards yet <coughs> is there. <coughs> Goodness. Now, the funniest thing about this whole situation was it wasn't the police who were trying to de-escalate the situation. It was the people filming it that was trying to de-escalate the situation. But these people that we're supposed to be comfortable around, these people we're supposed to believe in because they're wearing the uniform, they're supposed to be good cops. These cops lied on, they lied about the entire um, encounter. They stated they weren't using profanity, which everybody else's video other than theirs, you could hear them clearly saying, get out the effing car or I'm going to blow your effing brains out for a $3 Barbie doll. They're telling him, hey, calm down. You need to calm down. Not that serious. Oh, we didn't kick him. But then there's a video showing the officer kicking the man who was damn near doing a split while in handcuffs. But again, we're supposed to believe them. We're supposed to trust them. In the last two days, Phoenix Police Department, these good cops that we're supposed to be comfortable around because they're wearing a uniform, we're supposed to trust them because cops do no wrong. And if you're not committing a crime, they wouldn't bother you. There's a young lady named, I'm going to butcher this name, it's Sir 
Serna, Servina, S-U-V-A-R-N-A, Ratnam. This young lady was a protester. Police started throwing tear gas. She takes off running. She's tackled by a police officer from Phoenix. Well, these good guys, these honest people, these people we're supposed to believe and trust in, said Miss Ratnam had a umbrella that she used as a weapon after she had thrown a bottle. She used this weapon to jab it in the hand of a police sergeant while running towards him with it raised. This is what they wrote down. Two police officers wrote this down. Swore to God that it was the truth. Then this video shows up. You see the tear gas. You see Miss Ratnam take off running. You see the police sergeant. <laughs> you see the police sergeant tackle her. You know what you don't see? Her raise the umbrella. Her jabbing the umbrella as a knife into anyone's hand. And this metal tip that they spoke about in their report, these honest guys, was plastic. But we're supposed to trust them, supposed to believe in them because they're the good guys. And if you're doing nothing wrong, they won't bother you. Yet, after watching the videotape, after reading these police officers' statements, I guess if you want to call it that, April Sponsel, she's a Phoenix prosecutor. Say it one more time. After watching the videotapes, after reading these police officers' statements, April Sponsel lied in open court. She stated, she actually restated every, and if you're actually in my master class, you'll be able to see what I just talked about. That is a prosecutorial tactic. She restated what the officers had said, even though she knew it was a lie. She knew for a fact it was a lie because she had seen the tape. She saw the truth. She repeated the lie. This is why a lot of people say, well, they're going to believe the police. Why? Because they're going to eat with who they're being fed by. Piranha don't eat piranha. This is also why you have to check your defense counsel. This is also why you have to take control of all of your interactions. This is also why your employees have to listen to you because you're paying your defense counsel to be vigorous in their defense, not just give you advice and direction. But April Sponsel, the Phoenix prosecutor, after lying and restating the officer's statements that she knew was a lie, she added that Miss Ratner had bomb making material. Say that one more time. She stated they have bomb making material. And before I go any further, I'm going to address this for everybody because again this is a false belief prosecutors do not have absolute immunity prosecutors are held by the standard of call harmless error when she knowingly lies it becomes prosecutorial misconduct that then equates to malicious prosecution so don't ever think prosecutors have absolute immunity that is an absolute falsehood that is a wrong thought. I, again, go back and watch my videos. I talk about this constantly. Prosecutors do not have absolute immunity and they can be sued. Just ask them people down in Fort, wait, wait, there we go. 
ask them people down there in Fort Bend County if the prosecutors have absolute immunity. Love Texas. Anyway, when we talk about this, we have to understand one thing and one thing simple. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. Let me back up because I, I just I actually just saw that. I apologize about this, Rob. What if they have no video, but the lies are in their report and I have no trust in these servers? Now, here's the thing, because me and Robin have been working shit over a year now because her case has so many moving parts. With Robin's case, the involvement went from one police officer to another police officer, from a prosecutor to even the defense attorneys. Say that one more time. It went from one police officer to another police officer to the prosecutor to even the defense attorney. These are the things where it, unfortunately, it takes takes so much time because the moving parts and the evidence. And my God, do I have so much stuff that has come over from Robin. Because putting this together is monumental for the most part. But I was looking for some stuff in which you guys also know there are other police officers that have been been let me let me stop real quick. When a police officer is found to have lied in a report. That is something that prosecutor must now acknowledge every time that police officer is involved in something. There's a police officer, I believe it's in Fairfax, Virginia, where he's only been on the force maybe four or five years, yet he's got over 400 cases that are possibly being overturned. Why? Because he's involved in them. There are other connections that can be linked to that, but just him being there is a liability. This is why nobody trusts cops because you will keep allowing this. You'll keep allowing this stuff to go on for just years and nobody says anything or corrects behavior. Now, when you're talking about statute elimination, a limitation on these federal cases, you're looking at a seven year window. The reason why it's capped at seven years is simply because just like this, the movie or the TV show, The First 48. The First 48 is generally, after that, you need somebody talking. What I've learned is even going through these, the art of self-preservation kicks in. Because I'm not going to stick my neck on the line or lose my life or wife because you are doing fuckery. That's one of the things that is relied on after a certain amount of time. That's also one of the things that you have to go into and you have to study line upon line, precept upon precept. And when you're going through these, you have to comb through and not only look for what is there, but what's not there. And you also have to make sure that there, when you're giving one statement, that it coincides with another one. Because if there's a small discrepancy, those things have to be pointed out. Because even going through this, you have to, in one case, you get get something on this end that relates to something on the other end. So you have to keep pushing forward. Now, when you talk about criminal immunity, piranha don't eat piranha. The only thing you can control is the things you control. The one thing you have to do to get people to leave you alone and also make a corporation apologize for the things they're doing is hit those pockets. It's not up to you to decide the criminality of anyone because one thing that's not going to happen is a piranha is not going to eat another piranha. These guys eat and feed, they party and fiesta and whatever with one another. So you're asking them to go against their buddy. You're asking them to criminalize the actions of their, um, of the, um, their friends. So these are things that have to be recognized. And Robin, his is also seven years, and he's going to need 
um, medical records. Now, so when you're talking about criminalizing something, remember, when even when you see an indictment, an indictment is just a rebuttable piece of paper. You can rebut the indictment. Now, the joke, the running joke is a prosecutor can indict a piece of paper. The reason why is because there's no requirement of evidence. That's why nobody really gets nervous. Oh, I've been indicted. Oh, my God. It means nothing. It's almost like a preliminary hearing. It means nothing. Because defense attorneys go in 99% chance I'm going to lose it, but I'm getting ready to lay the foundation. Good defense attorneys lay the foundation. Good, good defense attorneys are probably charging you $10,000, $15,000 up front. Those are the ones that they don't need the city or the state to eat. They are absolute sharks. Now, if they're charging you less than ten dollars to $15,000 for any case, because on average, just to give you a bullshit uh, attorney, remember I told you in the beginning, I'm going to come to you in a second, Phil. Um, I told you in the beginning, each case that you deal with, no matter what it is, requires 100 hours. Now, when you take 100 and you divide whatever their fee was, that's their hourly charge. A good, decent attorney is going to charge you $250 an hour. I'm going to say that again. A good or decent attorney will charge you $250 an hour. Now, will they use that complete 100, 100 hours? No. Most of them won't. 99% of them won't. Why? Because what happens is instead of giving needing 100, they'll take about 16, 17, round 20. Because most cases are simple enough to be dealt with within a 20-hour um, period. Now, Parham asked about the appeal. The appeal process is generally done within a year. Sometimes, depending on the situation, offers you two. So if we need to talk, shoot the email and let me know what time we can roll. And absolutely. So, got you know, I can't pronounce your name. But that also lets me know you don't listen to me very well. Or you haven't listened to me enough. You need to go back and start watching videos, listening to the podcast. Because I constantly state that there is not a war on everyone. There's not a war on a skin tone. There is a war on the poor and perceived poor. And I gave examples of that. I talked about those things. And yes, because when you have a country where 80% of its occupants live below the poverty level, or paycheck to paycheck, missing one paycheck offers them an opportunity to apply pressure, which is why most people don't use the tools of which is in my um, masterclass, weaponizing your defense, because I'm going to give you bits and pieces here. I'm just not going to give you. I'm not um, give you everything here at once. And now, how long is response time after, I'm going to guess that says the second Freedom of Information Act request. After the second Freedom of Information Act request, it's a 20 days. It's 20 calendar days, and you have two options after that. You can actually begin to subpoena or you can actually file in federal court for a lawsuit. Now, what happens is it kind of drags out a little bit on what the how you would go about it. Because, again, it's part of the process, but it can, depending on your response to the process, elongate it. 
Now, understanding the rule of jurisdiction. The rule of jurisdiction is done depending on the aspects of the allegations. So I would need more to give you a complete answer on that. And if y'all going to start asking me a bunch of questions, y'all need to start hitting that cash app. The links are in the description. And that's also a great uh, notification. A good attorney set up cases, not only to win, but to win on appeal. Because the one thing I did whenever I, I was doing the RICO, because like I said, it was a point of arrogance. I was like, the only way they're going to beat me is if they steal it from me. And they have stolen it from people. That's why I tell people, don't worry about the battles, win the war. You have a mindset on winning the war. What is your level of justice? These are the things that you have to understand. You have to be ready to move forward on. These are also the actions that you have to be ready to partake in. But I went through that to go through this because I actually thought it was interesting. Because when you're looking at the option for a police officer to use deadly force, I didn't know there was an absolute I guess, federal section for this. And even even going through the, the context of it, because it's 10 CFR Code of Federal Regulations Section 1047.7 use of deadly force. Now, most of us have no idea what it is or how it is, but I've spoke about the context of it. And most of the most of the context comes from Tennessee V. Gardner, 471 US 1. It's a 1985 case. Now, it's a civil case. Tennessee v. Gardner is a civil case. And it was held that under the Fourth Amendment, when a law enforcement officer is pursuing a fleeing suspect, the officer may not use deadly force to prevent escape unless. So that means there has to be something else present. The officer has probable cause to believe that the suspect possesses a significant threat of death or serious injury to the officers or others. The officer has. The officer has. Law enforcement officers pursuing an unarmed suspect may use deadly force to prevent escape only if one of those huge damn birds sound like it was huge over there. Only if the officer has probable, see again, only if the officer has probable cause to believe that the suspect possesses a significant threat of death or serious injury to the others. I goes on when you're reading deeper into the text that they have to be using something other than the vehicle as a weapon. So the officer has to, has to have probable cause, has to have probable cause, has to have it. So this, because even when they say has to have it, to believe. In order for them to justify a belief, there has to be something tangible. Now, when I go back, I believe it was, um, I don't know why Malloy V. Hogan just popped in my head, but there was a court case that I gave out. It might be that one, might be another one. That a police officer doesn't even have the capacity to determine what probable cause is, which is why they need your consent or a warrant, which would be the consent of a magistrate of a neutral magistrate because they are not reliable enough to determine what probable cause is. 
this is actually a Supreme Court case that I gave it to you maybe three or four times. But understanding when it is not done properly, it is a violation of one's civil rights. So if they do not have probable cause to believe, they need something in order to have a belief. Now, let's go back into it because the use of deadly force means that force which a reasonable person would consider likely to cause death or seriously bodily or serious bodily harm. Its use may be justified only under conditions of extreme necessity. Its use may be justified only under conditions of extreme necessity when at lesser means have failed. When all lesser means have failed, when all lesser means have failed and or cannot reasonably be employed. Remember, I say the stupid shit that there must be something in the training to which a person, Officer Kelvin Dingle, has six to seven non-lethal weapons on them at all times and one life-taking option. And the first thing that is employed is the one life-taking option. So when you're using deadly force, and the first thing you grab is the thing that says when all lesser means have failed, that means you have not even attempted. The police officer itself becomes the lesser mean. The police officer who jumps out and says, I'm going to put a bullet in your head, has not employed all lesser means. police officer that snatches people out of the car and puts a gun to the back of their head has not employed all lesser means. But let me finish. A protective force officer is authorized to use deadly force only when one or more of the following circumstances exist. Because remember, we talked about these things called exigent circumstances. But now we're going to talk about the five Circumstances in which deadly force can be employed, even in the context of Tennessee v. Gardner. One is self-defense. When deadly force is reasonably appears to be necessary to protect the officer who reasonably believes himself or herself to be in imminent danger of death or seriously body or serious bodily injury. Now, one of the conversations I had is there was a young man, I believe he was in Arkansas. He didn't have a driver's license. He was going to the store. Him and his nephew were in the car, went and got burgers. They were on their way home. Young lady pulls them over, running his name. They were talking very cordial. He gave her all the information. Well, a second officer shows up on the scene and immediately begin to escalate the situation. He jumps onto the car. He jumps onto the car and then the young man proceeds to drive off. Why? Because when the officer jumps onto the car, he pulls out his gun. He then shoots the driver and kills him. The officer yelled out, well, I was in fear for my life. Here's why that did not fly. The officer cannot place himself into a dangerous situation. And the young man was not putting him in a place of self-defense because he was not even using the vehicle as a weapon. Because remember, has to be using something other than the vehicle to be a weapon. And 
there has to be an attempt. Has been an attempt to cause serious injury. There was none. Now, we're going to go back to Elizabeth City real quick. Andrew Brown Jr. Now, the one thing that D.A. Wombly used, because words have power, he used that several officers came in contact with Andrew Brown Jr.'s vehicle prior to the shooting. Say that one more time. D.A. Womble stated multiple occasions. Several officers came in contact with Andrew Brown Jr.'s car. Well, that's not a lie. Just not the truth. Say that one more time. It wasn't a lie. It just wasn't the truth. Several officers reached out to Andrew Brown's car and came in contact with it. The officers put themselves in harm's way to use that as an excuse to pretty much execute Andrew Brown Jr., which is why they can't release the tape, because he put out the verbiage. Several officers came in contact because he wanted to imply that Andrew Brown Jr. used his vehicle as a weapon against the officers, when in fact, according to Tennessee B. Gardner, it has to be using something other than the vehicle or targeting those police officers, which they could use the grounds of self-defense, which throws that out, which is why he can't turn that over. Two, serious offenses against person. When deadly force reasonably appears to be necessary to prevent the commission of a serious offense against a person and circumstances presenting an imminent danger or death, sabotage of an occupied facility by explosives. Now, we're going to go to the Phoenix conversation. But before I do that, I'm going, I'm going to give you an answer on the absolute power corrupts absolutely. That statement is correct. The problem is I gave you guys the six realms of, or the five realms of the system. The top rung is the people. Why? Because the people vote in the prosecutor. The prosecutor helps establish the policing force. That sets up the defense who also works for the people. The judge is voted in by the people. So the top ring is the people. The problem is the people that don't, don't fight back, 95% of them. So the 5% that fight back, you then go to part two, the police. We know what? The police are not educated. They don't follow law. We know that they have a fiduciary duty to you, the public. So that means they don't have any power you don't give them. So who's more powerful, you or the police? That will mean you. It is not our darkness that frightens us the most. It is our light. Then we go down to the prosecutor. We know the prosecutor doesn't care about any evidence. They don't even care about the truth. We're even rolling with two prosecutors that completely fabricated or created a narrative that was outside the guidelines of truth. Because they don't care about the evidence. They want a conviction. Because it's about revenue generation. And then we have these defense attorneys that aren't vigorously defending. Most of these public pretenders only spend an hour or two on every case they deal with. Why? Because they're flooded because life is being criminalized. So when we don't have vigorous defenses when we don't have vigorous defenses the police aren't following law or smart enough to even interpret what law is the prosecutor doesn't care about evidence the judges flow with whoever's going to operate with them the most so my question again becomes who has the power 
you have power as long as you choose to exercise it's our responsibility to exercise our power so our power is corrupted because we give it away and we tell somebody else they're more powerful than we are when everybody works for us say that one more time we give our power away and then we complain about it because everybody is working for us and we're not making them do it because i had a conversation with a young man the other day and we had had kind of a difference and i told him i said here's the great part about it he said what's that i said i don't ask my employees for shit. i run a dictatorship i give you instruction and i have an expectation it's up to you to allow what it is that you want to allow but you also have to understand line upon line precept upon precept there's a process to each and everything that you do and that's what's up constitution auditor now okay let me go back to what i was talking about <laughs> okay serious offenses against person now again pretty much falls in line with the self-defense now i'm gonna give you one there was a young man that was shot and killed in atlanta on yesterday evening now the context of it was he had kidnapped somebody i don't know the whole story so hopefully i'll get a little bit more information i can update you on it now what happened which was actually relayed because there has not even been a police report read on the surface young man crashed got out the car took off running police shot him in the back That was pretty much the only thing that was said. The problem is, if that holds true, what was the probable cause that they had to believe? That we know that they don't have the wherewithal to determine what it is, even if it is probable cause or not. That this young man was doing something or it falls under this category of extreme harm or serious offenses against persons now we can speculate but we don't have a lot of information but they use deadly force in an action at on just its surface against a person while he did commit a serious offense did they have justification to go to the extreme necessity because again number five is actually using deadly force when the apprehension is necessary because reasonably appears to be necessary to apprehend or prevent escape of a person believed to have committed offense of the nature of a one through four which would be a serious offense against person or escaping by use of weapon or explosive. Now, we're gonna go back to number two because they were using in Phoenix the context that Miss Ratner, according to April sponsor, She was using an explosive device or she had access to an explosive device which nobody saw So yeah, that I, I, 
are they using wordplay or are they trying to create pressure? They're using the tactics I spoke about from the read statement. So now I'm going to give you one more constitutional auditor because I told you guys, if you're going to ask questions, I've only seen one person hit my cash app. Oh, it was 50 bucks. Appreciate you. All right. Use your real name. I don't know if you want me to say your real name or what's on YouTube, but use your real name. I'll say it if you want me to. Just let me know in the comments. Would it be safe to say that every illegal arrest that charges are brought in a court will yield to lawsuits? Absolutely. Because an arrest done without probable cause is illegal and a misapprehension of law is a constitutional civil rights violation. Easy. Because, again, they have to follow federal law because law is not something that changes from city to city, state to state, county to county. It is uniform through all 50 states of the union and D.C. So the next one, hit that cash app or one of the donation links. Now, let me go to number three, nuclear weapons or nuclear explosive device. When deadly force really appears to be necessary to prevent theft, sabotage, or unauthorized control of a nuclear weapon or a nuclear explosive device. Now, that's probably what they need these grenade launchers for that they speak about in the police reform bill. So I, I don't know. I'm going to kind of skip over that because I haven't seen very many nuclear device deadly shootings or special nuclear material. Again, it's not something that I've seen. Now, it goes on to a part B for the necessary use of force, and it calls involved firearms. It becomes necessary to use a firearm. The following precaution shall be observed. A warning, order to halt, shall be given if feasible before a shot is fired. This is generally something that you're yelling before they even get out the car. Because if they're doing something, but again, that also goes back to they know this person has a weapon. Unlike the young man that tried it in um, California a couple weeks ago, where he said the guy had a gun, he found a gun on the ground, but when the video showed up, yeah, he shot the man in the back and his stupid cell phone lit up as he hit the ground from the hand that he said that the gun was in. But again, we're supposed to trust these people. Or we talk about Mr. Kelvin Crawford, who was involved in multiple traffic wrongful arrests. He got hired in... Jeffersonville Police Department had an issue in Jeffersonville Police Department. And looks like Lower Marion Police Department fired him because he kept committing policy violations while he was employed there. But we're supposed to trust this even though they're going from police department to police department, they're getting rehired and they're continuing to not only violate their own issues, but we're supposed to trust the fact that they're doing it the right way. Now, I'm actually going to open up. And what's up, Jengi? You're only an hour late, but I understand why. Or excuse me, 54 minutes late, but that's all right. And Parham, Parham has actually been a Masterclass member since the inception of the Masterclass. Like literally, I think you're on nine months or something like that. So yeah, join the Masterclass. Let's keep going. Let's keep growing. We had a couple of new members and and I just heard it. Hold on.
Robin. Thank you, Robin. Robin sent 20 for her questions and to support the channel. Still, okay, hold on. Still waiting on the other person if they want me to use it. And because as you can see, Phil is a member. Robin is a member. I don't know why her her little whatever is not up there. Yeah, Robin, they didn't even put your color on yours. But Robin's a member. Robin's been a member for over a year, just like Phil. Jingy, you need to go ahead and join. But there, if you guys want to come and have a conversation about the use of deadly force, the things that we spoke about today, anything that you feel I may have misinterpreted or gotten wrong, I'd love to hear from you guys. Because at this point, when you have an officer like Officer Kelvin Dingle, who said he's been on the force 20 years, he's having these issues, but he's still wondering why. Oh, oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. Oh, 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 oh there we go. There we go. Boom. There we go. There we go. There you go. Y'all got to see my face. Got to burn a little bit. But it's the whole point of having an opportunity to find a way to be greater. Because we as a people, if we want change, we have to be the source of that change. Damn all this marching in. We, I want change. No, fuck all that. We actually, when, when we sign that contract and we get that date to show up in the arena, that's where we fight at. We go in. We understand what a vigorous defense looks like. We help prepare that vigorous defense. We show that we're not going to be afraid. We're not going to back down. We're not, we understand what tactics they're going to use. We understand the methods of what they're doing. We understand the outcome of what they're looking for. So these are things that we can not only once we know we can exploit, but we can actually push against because for every move, there is a counter. These are the things that we have to do. We have to know in order to employ So hit that link so we can have a conversation. Hit one of the donation links to help the channel keep going, keep growing. And hell, it's up to you guys now. What do y'all want to talk about? Because today I will be doing, um, actually I will probably be doing a, another show, but it's going to be done on Wirecast. And being done on Wirecast is going to be a little bit more straightforward, blah, 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 blah. But it's. It's one of those where. I think it's necessary because they're they're implementing confusion. Because most people have, and it's, it's going to be a Roe v. Wade discussion or the new case that's being brought to speak of, oh, they're getting ready to dismantle Roe v. Wade, and most people have no idea that Roe v. Wade, you know, it is what it is, because, you know, I, I got to tell you that. But actually, hit the link so we can have a conversation, or I'm going to go get something to eat. <laughs> so you guys let me know. If you have any other questions, hit that cash app. We can have a conversation. Other than that, join the channel. This, I believe it's four tiers. Grab you one. Let's keep going. Let's keep growing. And don't forget to support the podcast. Grab your t-shirts. Also have it in white. But again, I'm a messy eater. So, yeah, once you stay in the white, it just won't be right. You know, I've even tried the Tide podcast or the Tide pod, whatever the hell that the Tide pods, not the podcast. But you need to listen to the Supreme Decisions Legal Minute podcast. It's available on all your 
podcasting platforms, iHeartRadio. Thank you. So they've been whining a little bit. Pandora, I actually like that one. And um, Apple, Google, Amazon. Appreciate Amazon Music. I forgot I was on there as well. So nobody wants to talk. I'm using Wirecast next time. I love you guys, and I'll see you manana.